Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Game of Thrones. The Walking Dead. Westworld. No, that's the West Wing. West, Westworld. There have been many podcasts which seek to analyse the complexities, the depth, the plot lines, the hidden story arcs, the beauty of these productions. Quite simply, the world doesn't need another one, which is why we're applying that level of discussion to the bottom of the televisual barrel and scraping it with a weekly celebration of The One Show. to the The One Show Show, the podcast that deliberately pokes TV's The One Show through a glory hole in the fence of a tiger enclosure. I am John Holmes, and this week, in or around the vicinity of the green sofas, at least two guests proved to be difficult interviewees. Matt does some face acting, and there's umbilical cord blood all over the place. (laughs) Joining me to jump ears first into the shallow end of television are the comedy writer, rule of three podcaster, co-scribe of the Ladybird books for adults, Joel Morris, and uh, former model, actress, all-round lovely, very funny co-host of the Smashing Sundays podcast is Lucy Pinder. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome along. Lucy, your first time on this, of course. It um, is. But it's certainly, I learn, not your first time watching The One Show. You watch the bloody thing anyway. I, I do. I love it. I just, I think you couldn't write, if you were trying to write that, you couldn't make something that funny. How long have you watched I, I, it? I really feel for the Gibbons brothers doing that Alan Partridge thing. Cause they must <laughs> yeah. have watched loads of this for source material and then yeah. gone, oh, right. If you put Alan Partridge in this, it makes very little difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so have just, you watched it for, like, for years? Or? No, it's one of those things that I just kind of dip in and out of. Like yeah. if it's on, yeah. it's like a guilty pleasure. I have to watch it. Yeah. I, I, I get drawn in. Well, this, so this so this wasn't a hardship for you, really, because no, because you're the first guest I think we've had who said, "Oh yeah, I watched, watched that." Oh god, <laughs> no, it's never never been done before. Well, okay, well, let's start with <laughs> let's start with Joel. You've been on before anyway, yes. so I know I know that you don't um, don't no. really go home, rush home no. just to put it on. But let's start with Monday because that seems like the logical thing yes. to do. I mean, we'll get on. I think our favourite episode of the week has oh. to be Lazenby Tuesday. Lazenby Tuesday. I cannot but, wait to talk about Lazenby we Tuesday. We'll get there. We will get there. <laughs> but I thought Sean Bean on Monday was also a little bit of a difficult interviewing. 
Let them on, shall Please we? Please welcome Sean Bean, Julia Brown and Jonah Howard King. Come on in. Hey. Have a seat. Um, yeah, wandered through the bunker to get to us yeah. there, Sean. Oh, yeah, very, yeah, we very just honest. noticed that, yeah. I just think gaps. he looked mortified, didn't he, yeah. to be there. He's done this before. Sean Bean is the kind of person who would have been on the one You'd show. I think so. He yeah. knows what's coming. Yeah. He, but he acts as if no, my agent didn't tell me what, what this was going to be like. Well, he must know. Within the first few minutes, there was a question to him about Manchester Cathedral. So about this thing he's starring in called World on Fire, which, yeah. is, a, which is a new drama. Uh, so he was on the sofa, Julia Brown and Jonah Howard King, young actor. Yeah, young actor. Uh, we're, 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 they said, so, so what are you, um, you know, your premiere for this is going to be Manchester Cathedral. And he didn't have a clue, no, did he, he? he? He just stared at them, didn't he? literally he? just sure. looked at the other two, yeah. like, what? And actually, the premiere is going to be pretty epic too. A beautiful setting, we understand, Manchester Cathedral. Yeah, that's... Uh... Do you know How is it going to work? <laughs> I did, yeah. I, do, I don't um, know. We're doing it up. We're going up in Manchester, which is nice. I wonder if you move Sean Bean around the country in a sack, sack barrow <laughs> and you just wheel him up, put him up right places. He just does it, and he doesn't know where he is. No. He just maybe maybe they put like a bag over his head, like you do with a parrot in a cage or a kestrel, <laughs> and he just gets uncovered out the back, and he goes, where, "Where now? Where yeah. now?" You, and they, you know nothing, Sean Bean. That's what I was thinking throughout the whole thing. But it's, it, yeah, it was good, and there was a huge gap. He didn't know that they were doing Manchester. He, he did lots of gaps. He didn't know how to answer questions. No. The, no, the, the rudimentary rule of question and answer uh, rhythms... Is you tend, you tend to, to give an answer. That's right. Yeah. But he, he wasn't really into that, it seemed. There were, there were various questions that got put to him. One was about... Matt, this was a Matt classic, of course. Well, Matt... Who yep. said, how do you put yourself in the position of a character dying? Oh, my God. They do this all the time. Oh. They do this all the time on the one show. If someone's died in something, if someone's had to do some sexy scene with someone, they go, how do you do that? Yeah. And it's like, I'm an what? actor. I know. In, all, in all seriousness, I mean, how do, you, how do you sort of put yourself in that place when you are, when, when a character is coming to the end of their life in that way? Um, just pretty, I, just I've got a feeling that Matt is trying to write these down. And he's now got an acting masterclass. He knows how to do all the things. And he's written them all day. That they told me. And he knows that the skill. It's like it's like watching the Michael Caine behind the yeah. actor's oh, yeah, studio. Yeah, yeah. He's got written down how to be dead, how to have sex. <laughs> he knows them all. But the weird one they asked him is they said, How how do you put yourself in the mind of someone who's died? And obviously Sean B didn't answer for ages. And no. I thought, it's like this. <laughs> this part, yeah, this, this pause is exactly what this is. What, is. It, what he does is he puts himself there and, and yeah. it felt like I died. It, they asked him, said, said about stunts. He said, Do you have any, have any stunts that have gone wrong? And he went, <laughs> Loads. Oh, you and he said, I fell off a horse. You know, did it affect the part of your brain that remembers stunt anecdotes? Because <laughs> if I'd fallen off a horse, the first thing I'd say is, I fell, fell off, off a horse, horse. one. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, apparently it looked like he'd been hit really hard, kicked by a horse yeah. or something. It was really Well, there was odd. a montage of his movie deaths and TV <laughs> so deaths there. Weird. They just played all the times he's died in, in, in the things he's been in. Which, if nothing else, if you haven't seen all of Sean Bean's work, is a massive spoiler alert. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. Okay, won't bother watching that one. Then which, he's dead. Which, which films do you not make it to the end of? Yeah. When did you go home early? Yeah, and then, then, then he... I mean, most people have probably seen Goodfellas, but then he chucked a spoiler into that. And call him, called him Joe Pesky. Yeah, Joe Pesky, <laughs> for a start. Joe Pesky. <laughs> uh, and he said, are you fed up dying in films? I think that's the question. Yeah. And he sort of said, yeah, I, I, you know, I look for, for uh, uh, jobs that don't, well, I don't die in films now. And then he said, unless a script came along like Joe Pesky in Goodfellas, where he dies. But uh, if he was a really good baddie, 
something like Joe Pesky in, in Goodfellas mm. or something like that, get shot right at the end. I won't mind that. <laughs> Massive spoiler uh, alert. Yeah, well, done. Yeah. well done, well done. And then uh, Clara, who was sitting in, tried to fill in and was obviously thinking of where the next link was going. She went, but you survived them. He went, no, he's dead. He's a ghost. You booked a ghost. But it's a brilliant question to ask one of your guests. So are you alive? Yeah. Well, you had well I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. Like, after that, after that <laughs> performance, We should mention sure. that Clara Ampho was in. She's amazing. She was very good, Very, I very good. Yeah. I, 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 was, I was saying earlier, I feel a bit cheated out of Matt Baker content because yeah. she and Rylan Clark, they're really professional. Yeah. And didn't bugger up. And I was like, oh, I'm furious. It's a bit like what happened with Countdown. When they replaced the presenters of Countdown because Richard Whiteley died, they got the presenters they should have had if they were casting professionals in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> and the next thing with the sit-ins in some sort of the one show, you went, oh, no, them. They're yeah, the people you'd it. get. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Well, Clara was good. Was Clara grew into it over the week, I think, because first, at first I went, oh, dear. Because the, the, after they'd done the Manchester Cathedral thing that Sean Bean knew nothing about, it came back to her and she just said lovely it's in a church do you remember the last time you were in church such a weird question That's really good. out yeah. of nowhere and, and of course they hadn't prepped them what everyone just shifted very awkwardly on the sofa it was a really awkward you eggy sort of... moment oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, mm. okay <laughs> what has some lead gone missing I mean it's an interrogation <laughs> <laughs> Has someone exposed themselves in the vestry? <laughs> and that poor, that poor girl Julia from World on Fire. She yeah. looks so uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, you, I got a feeling. I felt slightly unfair because they've got Sean Bean and then two very young act- actors yeah. who this is their big break. And I imagine the two of them are going. Well, Sean's got this. He's done the sofa thing a lot. We're new to this. He'll cover this. Yeah. And then he the did it. Happened, didn't it? <laughs> I really felt. Oh, for Matt's them. mad a bit of stubble as well. Did you notice that on Monday? It had gone by Tuesday. But no. he'd grown a bit of stubble around his... Uh, around his it, it was going a bit... I, I, I didn't. A bit rakish. Yeah, he'd gone rakish. And he was wearing, like, maroon cords. Well, it was a oh, sexy God, style. Oh, God, is he having a little bit of a well, midlife? Oh, he's having a Hammond. He's having a Richard Hammond. <laughs> a sharp tooth necklace next. And coming back from the dead. Yeah. But Clara opened with a sort of flirt. She said, oh, I've had Stormzy in the afternoon, and now I've got you in the evening. And you thought, where's this guy? I know. It was good. It was a bit Saucy flirty. Clara. Oh, I don't know. You've been on the radio already. I have. I've had Stormzy in the afternoon, oh. and now I spend my evening with you. What a joy. It's superb. But she was good. You're absolutely right. She was confident. She didn't. And as the week went on, she was yeah, she held it all together. Well, she just the the thing I think that that we like watching Matt Baker for is that that he's so uncomfortable, and you can almost you can see him listening to production in his ear. Yeah. Well, he, he he's was scared. So, he's like, scared of chilled. things like lights and electricity and things in the big city. He yeah, he, he's, he's not <laughs> he sure where he farm. is. Yeah, basically, he, he wonders why everyone's not covered in hay. Yeah, it's a bit worried. <laughs> Uh, by the way, there was. Uh, we should. This is a good point to mention this. So uh, last week on the One Show, we learned that Matt Baker joined Instagram, right? And um, <laughs> we urged on this podcast people to go and follow Matt Baker um, and, and write uh, what in the comments. Well, I, I've been to look at Matt Baker's comments, and <laughs> nearly every other one of his posts this week from where he was playing James Bond, which we'll also get onto, it is people just going, "What's what was it that like?" <laughs> So if you did that as a listener to this, thank you so much, and please keep it Genius. up. Genius. This, this, nice. this is our very own Extinction Rebellion, isn't it? We're doing something good for the planet, getting everyone together, make a change. Another thing the One Show did this week on their social media was they asked for limericks. Okay, so I follow the One Show on Twitter, obviously. Of course. And they asked for limericks, so I retweeted them saying, well, we'd like some limericks uh, about the One Show, and I'm going to share some with you now. because Excellent. our um, 
There once was a man called Matt Baker who owned farmland of many an acre. While riding his bike, he yelled, what was it like? <laughs> Before a truck sent him back to his maker. Oh, uh, that's from that's Alex. Dark, dark. The thing we all love about Matt is his novel approach to chat. When asking a question, not even his best one, he comes across as a twat. <laughs> that's from Heather. Oh, uh, I was going to say keep them coming in, but I wouldn't be meaning it if I did, so please don't. Stop uh, but it. By Stop all means, go back Emirates. to Matt's Instagram and carry on with that. That's fine. Uh, all right, so there was a, then a film on Monday about... The, uh, now, this was a film off the shelf, because they even admitted it had been a few years ago that they made it, about Thomas Cook. Uh, it's the end of a journey that began before planes were even invented, uh, and here's a film that Angelica made for us a few years ago about how it all started on a train from Leicester. It's 1841. This yes. was really... You've talked a lot about the problem of stuff going off on shelves. I mean, obviously, the one show, like the rest of us, is stockpiling stuff for yeah. when Brexit happens. <laughs> and it's got shelves of tin pies and things, but it's also got old uh, things. And normally you think a film wouldn't go off, but their Thomas Cook film was on the turn. It really was. Because Thomas Cook, had, there was a news story, had overtaken the film they hadn't taken off the shelf. Yeah. And so watching it, because they, they linked into it with a piece of news and said, obviously, Thomas Cook's gone bust, loads of job losses, huge amounts of people stressed and needing to be repatriated and things. So it was a big news story. And they went, which brings us to this film. And the film obviously was really calm and yeah. had a steam train and a brass band. And it was just a history. It was of- a celebration of the history <laughs> yeah. of Thomas Cook. Yeah. It was, it was so twee. Yeah, and it was, it was completely the wrong tone. So it, was, it totally confused you as to what you were watching. Yeah. But you I could see, it. It. you could totally see how they got to it, though. In yeah. that sense, of when they do flick through what I'm assuming is still a rolodex no. of films they've got on the shelf, and they just went, "Thomas, we got a Tom, we got <laughs> a Thomas Cook film. Get the top. Nobody bothered watching Kill the it. Pine Martins. Just, <laughs> bring it in. <laughs> They're in the news. Put it on. Shall we watch it first? No, it'll be fine. <laughs> it'll be fine. <laughs> and then Giles Brandreth came into the studio to talk about. It. Well, Giles, um, give us an idea of what happened. Well, next four, four years after that, he began doing more excursions. He advertised himself as T. Cook excursion agent. Right. New people around England. Eventually, he was very brave. Took three hundred and fifty people to Glasgow. Then he thought, well, they survived Glasgow. Where next? Antwerp. So by eighteen fifty-five, he was taking people to the continent of Europe. And again, he had no context either. You wondered why they got Giles Brandreth in. Yes. So because so, he works for them. But that was revealed about five minutes yeah. in. So you went, yeah. hang on, I, if, I, yeah. if I were either stranded or unemployed, this would be no comfort to me. No. You got, it was, the tone was completely wrong because it's quite a serious story. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. the first sort of big, like, a huge company. that, that They were talking about the biggest repatriation since the Second yeah. World War. Right. It's quite a big thing. To do, but it was the classic one-show way of dealing with it. Off-the-peg film, Giles Brandreth. <laughs> <laughs> The fact that when they found out he used to work there, they must have been so happy. They were, yeah. oh, this is oh, this is our oh, one show gold. And it was kind of weird because yeah, because it was it was the whole feel of it was so off. But then they were obviously like, well, Giles, if you could just look really sad yeah. and yeah, talk yeah. about how sad it is, and we get away with doing this. If segment. you're rel- if you're relying on Giles Brandreth to bring the gravitas, <laughs> basically yeah. you've called the wrong guy. And, it, and he did it. And he was sort of and he obviously started to tell the story. And they were trying to get the mood. It was a handbrake turn of mood rather than subject. Trying to get it to be a bit serious. And he talked about working there. And what it was like. And the thing about Charles Brandreth is he's not interruptible. Great success there with the boom in us all beginning to go to Benidorm, Spain, the south of France. And then in 1964, an extraordinary thing happened. Age 16, I joined their staff. (laughs) (laughs) I joined the reservations department at Thomas Cook in Berkeley Square because my parents said, this company is as safe as houses. It's the Rock of Gibraltar, it's the Bank of England, it's the Rolls-Royce of travel agents. And there I was, very happy indeed, doing all the tickets 
by hand in those days well, before you computers. Really. You actually filled it out with carbon. You don't know what carbon paper is, do you? I, uh, I do. Triple yeah. And you get the feeling you can feel paper. in the one show set. There's ticket. two things. One, you if someone talks about sex, yeah. everyone tenses up. Yeah. Yeah. Another one, if, if someone starts an anecdote and the anecdotes can be more than a line long, you can feel them all tensing. Yeah. And Giles Brandreth was having to give context, not proper context, the Thomas Cook story. And was just going on about what it was like to work there in the in the fifties and sixties or the nineteen forties or wherever he worked there, <laughs> and they couldn't stop him. It was, I mean, it was a good lesson for Clara because on the day after that, <laughs> she was faced with Lazenby. Oh, oh my God! Please welcome to the One Show, George Lazenby. Yeah. Oh, we've got you in our sights. Come on, three, George. Come on, Armour, George. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Come and join Come us. Through. Come and say hi to Clara. Hello, sir. How are you doing? Hi. Oh. George, oh. Um, do you ever get bored of listening to that music? Yes. <laughs> this, this is not only one of the best ever episodes of The One Show, this is possibly one of the best bits of television I've ever seen. <laughs> It was, it was so un- it was so toe curlingly uncomfortable. I was begging it to stop. Yes, I, I same. Was, I was by the end of that program when I th- saw that there was a minute of live show <laughs> left to go, and he just began another anecdote, oh. which was broadly similar to the one he told about twenty minutes ago, and I knew it was a long one because we'd already heard it, it and they <sighs> couldn't get out of it. I was like, "This is turning into a you nightmare." Got- I'm Mark Haynes. And I'm Julia Rayside. And over the next four months, we'll be taking you through the highs and lows of Strictly Come Dancing. All the winners. The losers. The huge name stars and the other ones. The inevitable relationship traumas. The gags. The pitiful gags. The awful, awful gags. The wonderful outfits. The complex structure of bets that could leave you better off by one million pounds. And everything that happens both on and off the dance floor. It's the curse of Strictly. Keep listening, subscribing, telling your friends and dancing. Appalling. It's absolutely awful. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
you got frightened. I got frightened at the beginning. I checked where I was and went, oh my God, I'm at the beginning of the program because they interviewed him. <laughs> and they've got a new, they've got a new choppy style because it used to be handbrake turns and they'd go from one subject to another yeah. at the end of the subject. And now they're, they're sort of chopping and changing within the chat a bit more. They're sort of, they're going too lazy and then back and you realise you got to the end of his first anecdote and you thought, oh, thank God, they're going to wheel him off somewhere. Yeah. No. And then you realise, no, they're going to intercut him with everything all yeah, the way through. He stayed on. They're going to keep going back to him. Oh, Why God. did they do that? Because they, this is what I find really weird is that some guests, they'll just keep on for the whole programme. Other ones bugger off after they've yeah. done their bit. Yeah. Who on earth was like, yeah, we'll keep Lazenby on? He's, he's a funny beast because it occurred to me watching, I went, the really weird thing about George, La- George Lazenby, almost uniquely, is he's not very famous but the character he played yes. is. That's exactly So the it, point yeah. is, he has got one film's worth of anecdotes, and it's yeah. not like he made loads of other films. No. Or what, He is enormously off-the-charts famous for being the least famous one of a bunch of people. Yeah. So you get him on because you go, we've got Bond! You haven't got Bond, you've got George Lazenby. You've yeah, got yeah, yeah, the most yeah. aggrieved Bond <laughs> yeah. in history. He, he, what, he <gasps> told that story a few times, oh, didn't he? I love, and I love he just kept going on about how much money people got paid, <laughs> yeah. how much he didn't get paid. One of his weird... Anecdote. Right, so for context, right, so George Lazenby was in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, right, and then famously uh, d- turned down the offer of doing a new... Well, he says... At one time or other, uh, well, it's a long story, but uh, I wasn't James Bond, and I should have been. Oh. Oh. And, yeah, it was very I, disappointing for me. At the first... Because right. I give it up. Okay. <laughs> and I yes. thought, damn it, I shouldn't have done that when I was broke. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's just the thing, and I mean, George, you, you look at what it's become. I mean, <sighs> incredible. Thing yeah, well, I gave it up because a guy convinced me that James Bond was over, and right. it was hippie time. You know, there was flower power and all that stuff, and Easy Rider was the hit movie, and I, I was convinced. So okay. basically, he didn't get to be. He didn't not only. He didn't not get to be Roger Moore. He got to not be Sean Connery again, which is even more <laughs> insulting. They got it the is. old bloke back. It is. Uh, um, we, we should mention that the other guest they'd booked was Fiona Bruce, but she had been doing the news. So the reason they kept Lazenby on the sofa... Because they didn't have another guest. They didn't have another guest because Fiona Bruce was coming over from the 6 o'clock news and couldn't make oh. it in time. I always wonder when they do <laughs> stuff like that, if someone has cancelled last minute and they just go, shit, who's here? Who's in the BBC yeah. building that we can just yeah. get to run over? <laughs> Who can we see on the yeah. Yeah. Outside. They're like, oh, great, question cool. time's they got send, birthday coming up. Let's get her off the six send someone news. out with a net. Got you. Contractually, you have to do this one. But it, it was, what was odd about it as well is that George Lazenby famously, his Bond film was not liked at the time. Yeah. Got slagged off and is now regarded as a really good one. It's a classic, really well directed. Diana Riggs, great in it. It's got good story and everything like that. He's okay. But what's really weird is that, that he's, he's not the best Bond. And he wasn't the best Bond, but where do you wheel him back in to do this? Yeah. And so everything they were talking about was about everyone's favourite Bonds. Yeah. <laughs> so all the jokes were about, oh, frighten the living daylights out of me. <laughs> oh, uh, nobody does it better. And you keep going, it's not, not him. That's not him. No. That's the other one. Well, that you, was, you like the other Bonds so better. That was He's awkward. reminded by that all the time. At the beginning. When, when he introed a segment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, what did he say? He said something about one of the best loved Bonds or something Matt yeah. Baker said something and he kind of went oh well, well the best and he's like yeah yeah no you are yeah you That's are the, right. best. the yeah, best because everyone thinks the that best. George Lazenby's yeah. the best well we're going to get on to uh, to your film now On Her Majesty's Secret Service is considered uh, one of the best 007 movies one? ever <laughs> well, I'm, basically, that's, this is what the critics meant are saying. To say the... Well, they introduced him in the first place. They said um, Matt. Matt got very excited. Oh, let's talk about Matt and his opening of the show in a moment. But um, a real James Bond is here, and nobody does it better than this man. 
And then I was thinking, well, I could think of oh, I, I Connery. No, and also, also I, 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 could, I could think of the man I could see on the screen when the words "nobody does it better" were being sung, <laughs> which was not him. Tonight we have a real life James Bond, and nobody does it better than this man. Good morning. My name's Bond, James Bond. George Lazenby is here celebrating 50 years of On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah. <laughs> All I can think of now is how much I loved Roger Moore. <laughs> oh, it's just really weird. I thought Matt's acting at the beginning of this wasn't too bad. Is that he controversial? He gave it his all. Do you know what's really weird? Is that Matt was a better Bond at the beginning of the one show <laughs> yeah. than George Lazenby like, is in Her right. Majesty's Secret Service. And actually, I think the beginning of this is better than Spectre. Yeah. Which <laughs> I didn't enjoy. <laughs> Surprisingly good. He was good. So Matt was playing James Bond. They got him dressed up in a fast uh, car. Well, they got him in an Aston Martin in the full tux and doing stunts. I mean, doing and doing his own stunts. Apart from one, because I watched his Instagram story uh, where we saw the stunt. Okay, what was it like? uh, (laughs) (laughs) Out of all the things that Matt did, right, which was running down corridors. Yeah. Um, he ran into somebody with a post trolley. He dropped everything everywhere. Yeah. Uh, did a few more running around corridors. He went on a wheelie trolley thing, didn't he? Yeah, there you go. No, he didn't. Um, uh, so the close-up insurance. of the feet and the jump onto the... Was a, was a was Matt's stunt double. Matt Baker's stunt double. He fooled also, me and Joel. Also, I looked go. it up. He was a teenage gymnast. Oh, I, oh, well, I didn't know that before Blue Peter. Yeah. So basically, yeah. he's, he's capable of this, but that'll be insurance. He's nimble. BBC will not let a big star yeah. do that. They jump probably, on a moving trolley. They make, though, as Lazenby pointed out later on, they, they, he insists they made him do his own stunts. And he went, yeah, because you're not worth as much as Matt Baker. <laughs> <laughs> you're more replaceable yeah. as Bond than Matt Baker was. But Matt did. Matt's face acting. He did a lot of face oh, acting. Oh, yeah. As he sort of came... My eyebrow. Eyebrows were yeah. going. The, the sort of uh, the, the looking round corners thing he did as well. I was quite impressed with him with this. I got the feeling he's wanted to do this all his life. Yeah. So and he was yeah. giving it everything. Basically, it? Which made him look like Pierce Brosnan, who had that look all the way through, going, I can't believe they <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had. It's actually quite. I would now say that he's my favourite to be the new Bond. <laughs> yeah, because Hiddleston's really blown it, and Idris Elba's too old. So I'm yeah. reckon it's got to be Matt Baker, <laughs> isn't it? Can you imagine? Oh, 007 o'clock, they said. That's a a lot. They said that a lot they, over they the week. That and they weren't going to waste it. Hello, it's 007 o'clock, and we are live with. <laughs> um, but then, then they, the, the awkward bit when Fiona Bruce forgot that she once played a. Bond girl for children in need. Um, Rumour has it you were almost a Bond girl yourself. (laughs) You know what we're going to do. Do you know where we're going with this? (laughs) You know. Uh, Children in need. Oh, God. God. Charity. She looked mortified yeah. when they brought that up. Yeah, she did. She looked like I really wish she hadn't shown that. But it's yeah. odd, isn't it, that celebrities, especially that kind of children in need caliber celebrity, do those things and then afterwards, for the rest of their lives, go, they either wipe their brains of having done them, yeah. or are contractually obliged to go, oh no, not that piece of footage I'm completely aware of that I did. <laughs> it's like, I like that, or they are, again, it's the big net and they're drugged and they have no recollection <laughs> of having done. She looks genuinely nonplussed by yeah. it. But I think that's because she was in the vicinity of Lazenby and Lazenby 
I mean, if you just go back and watch with the sound <laughs> off and just watch Fiona Bruce's face. Oh, her body whole... language yeah, exactly. is yeah. She's very telling. shying away from yeah. him. Then they asked him what he made of her Bond girl performance. And he thought they were asking, could she be the next Bond? He started, like, rambling on, going, well, you know, it could be a woman. It was like, no, you've, yeah, yeah. you've totally misread this question, And she George. was staring at him in, like, who is this mad old man? No, I, uh, I believe that uh, women should have their fair share. There you go. Of everything. All right, well, I'm right on that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, Bond girl, why not? And he was a mad old man. Well, it's odd. He got the feeling, in his mind, he's the only Bond, which is a really weird thing to be, because they were asking things like, who's your favourite Bond villain? And I thought, oh, you haven't seen any other Bond oh, films. Oh, yeah. When you? he pretended that, he didn't know any other was, Bond villains. This was, this was, I mean, this is when I start. This is quite near the end, wasn't it? And they kept asking him questions, and he was really, in that weird thing like old actors are, where... He's wheeling out the anecdotes he's told 500 times before, yeah. and they've been pre-chewed to the point where he's forgotten what the, what the point of them was or where the punchlines were, and then they ask him things he's not prepared for, so he can't do either. He yeah. can't do the prepared anecdotes, and he can't do new yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it was just agony. It and it's that thing with those kind of those old-school actors that you just feel like everyone sat there going, don't say anything, like misogynistic, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or racist, yeah. or sexist. It, but that's why it was compelling, because there was a sense that he... Because he's so out of touch, he could have just said, absolutely... In fact, yeah. he swore, didn't he? He said, he's a bugger if I know. Well, he's Australian, no. that's yeah, just yeah, normal. So that's not swearing. My friends, what did Maggie watch it for? I said, I'm a bugger if I know. She wanted me to act. And so uh, I, he said, come on, let's go down there. And if he yeah. hadn't done that, I wouldn't have. I went down there and Maggie's uh, in the office and she made him wait outside. I said, what But also I there was a bit where he was talking about how he got the part. And they said, did you know Barbara Broccoli? And he immediately goes, he immediately starts telling a story about some actress called Maggie who got him the part. Oh, yeah. And he dropped in this anecdote with, and we met up in some street corner and then we went home. I won't tell you what happened after that, implying that he'd had sex with this woman we don't know. Which <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> again, the anecdote had got out of the one show's control really fast and it was basically like watching Oliver Reed on the late <laughs> night show. It was like he'd gone rogue. But he was then, about to tell but, sexist stories. I was thinking, okay, you can see where this is going rogue because it clearly was, and also it wasn't running to time. So <laughs> no. Clara was doing her best to drag it back while someone was shouting in their ear because he was rambling on. And then Matt would keep asking him stuff. So after that children in need moment, we came back from the uh, shot of Fiona Bruce in a sort of cat suit uh, dancing about and then Matt went... George, what did you make of that? And I was just screaming in my head, No! Don't ask No, <laughs> step away from the old man! Do not go there! <laughs> so because it's the, the Question Time uh, birthday, they, using the theme tune for Question Time... And which was word, too loud. Well, which was actually, they played it far too late. It was like Vision of Hell. It was like, what would the one show be like if you put the other programme I avoid, Question Time on, at the same time? Um, so, Fiona, we're in your hands. Matt, thank you very much. Well, tonight we are live from the One Show headquarters. Welcome to One Question at a Time. Good evening. On tonight's panel, leader of the One Show and one-time gymnast Matt Baker and guest presenter for this week on the One Show, DJ Clara Amfo. Let's go straight to the floor. Let's have some questions. Uh, yes, you, sir, with the uh, charming green tank top. <laughs> One question at a time, which Fiona Bruce will now ask from the studio audience in a sort of mock-up of question time, and they mm. then ask questions of George Lazenby. Now, you can imagine, so they'd planned this, but surely, <laughs> five minutes into the programme, the producer is going, shitting hell, we've still yeah. got that big George Lazenby-themed thing coming up, and George Lazenby's 
hopeless and a disaster. What are we going to do? We've still got to go through with it. And they did. And you could feel the tension. And that question that went, what's your favourite ever Bond villain? And then he... It was just so awkward. Oh, it was... I I mean, I'm I'm sort of sweating now thinking about it. Thanks, Fiona. My question is for Mr Lazenby. Obviously, in your film, the villain was Blofeld. uh, But I want to ask... Apart from him, who do you think is the greatest Bond villain of all time? I only knew the one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I don't have an answer for that, even though I knew I'd be asked something like that one day. Uh, a villain is a villain. I don't, the of, idea I that he's I never been asked that an at a convention. Yeah. And he had no answer. Went, yeah. You've been asked this before. Where are you, George? <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't know. But then he went into another anecdote, which oh. of course wasn't planned, about the per DMs arrangements oh. of what money they got per day as actors on the set of On Her Majesty's Secret Service, and how he didn't get as much as Telly Savalas. Oh, he's so, fu- he's so furious about the whole Bond yeah. experience, you know- and this is the only thing he's known for. <laughs> imagine being George Lazy. Imagine. Yeah, yeah. The villain that was in my film was Telly Savalas, oh. mm. and he could be a villain. And he rem- was good at it. He was good at it. I remember I went into the uh, per diem office one day and uh, Harry Salzman was there. And uh, I looked at the account and I said, by the way, how much did the other fella get per diem? And he looked at Harry and said, shall I tell him? And Harry said, tell him. He said, a thousand a week. And I was getting a hundred. And I looked at him, I said, I'm doing the same. And he said, give him a thousand. <laughs> so... Uh, my villain. Because, sense, he was just talking constantly about money. And he, his catchphrase, the line from the film is, this never happened to the other fellow, which he said he made up. Yeah. But you could feel that he was obviously saying that all the time on set. A thousand pounds. I got a hundred pounds. This never happened to the other fellow. That's right. That is his entire life. Yeah. It's so just the, agony. Putting it in the film was probably the director's little joke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And he didn't realise it. And then he ended up talking, talking, about, talking about, like, oh, I was going to go off and do spaghetti westerns like Clint Eastwood. And I thought, oh, this is an interesting anecdote. But I didn't. <laughs> No. It was, it was, we were reaching the end and you could see the clock ticking down and I thought this is like the end of a Bond film where the bomb's ticking down and the base is collapsing around them yeah, it everything's on fire exactly what was like. yeah. right. George I'm going to try to take another question where I can so we've got let's, one minute for your one minute. Yes, uh, from the lady yes thank you in the polka dot dress uh, I'm Karis and I'm from Chester and I'd like Hi, to know George that uh, as you said you only did one Bond film so if you could have done another Bond film which one would it have been and why and you'll have to be brief I'm afraid George they offered me a million pounds to do another one so why would I think of doing another one? As yeah. far as I know, they're all very successful. But I thought the Bond was over. It was hippie time. Everyone had long hair and bell bottoms. And I'd go in a restaurant and they'd go, waiter! Because <laughs> <laughs> I looked like a waiter. And I thought it was over. And uh, Clint Eastwood was making movies in uh, Italy. And this guy was guiding me. He said, this guy's getting 400 grand uh, you know, in four weeks. You can go do westerns in Italy. It didn't happen for me. That's a brilliant I wanted, analogy. I wanted yes. some guys the to come down on ropes and a monorail to explode, <laughs> and then it would be fucking perfect. <laughs> it was exactly like that. And as the clock, because I was watching it on iPlayer, obviously. I, I imagine you watched it live. I did. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> in your special one-show chair. Yeah. <laughs> on my green sofa that I bought specially. <laughs> Uh, and, and I was watching the countdown on the live player clock, just going, right, one minute to go before oh. this has to stop. And I can see it going down. And they, it was still banging on. And you're right, it was collapsing around them. Fiona Bruce had to get another question. And it was Fiona Bruce, using all of her question time oh, journalistic yeah. skill, that brought the programme to a close. Yes, Matt she and did. Clara couldn't do it at all. Otherwise, she it would did. still be going on yeah. now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
And Fiona just piled in and went, well, that's all we've got time she for, George. Did. She had to do it. Tell my man to contract to them. Well, you were still one of the greats, George. That's the important thing, isn't it? Absolutely. As <laughs> one of the great bonds. And thank you very much to our panel, to our audience, to George. Thank you, of course, to all of you at home for listening. One question at a time. We'll be back next week. <laughs> yeah, thank God someone did. Did, did, you, enjoy, did you enjoy her, her montage when they said Question Times had its fair share of memorable moments? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they did a montage and thought, I wonder what they'll be, racists? I mean, it, <laughs> and they, they, they cut to it and, this, and it was basically the three presenters saying, hello and welcome to Question Time. <laughs> and then two people being bundled off. <laughs> hello, good evening and welcome to Question Time. Good evening and welcome. Welcome. To Question Time. Welcome to Question Time. On my far left is the Right Honourable Michael Foote. In this situation, we're all going down that fork, and it's time for bed. (laughs) Listen, I think you ought to leave, you know, because... If you you all talk over each other, I'm just going to go to the audience. We went... That looks like an awful programme. It's a pretty good representation. They, they had the bit up to what before it goes wrong, which is good evening. And then it was just how do we deal with the fact that nutters yeah. are shouting? Yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. terrible. It made it look like 40 years of complete agony. Yeah. So, yeah, it was which odd. pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> it was odd <laughs> to have her and Lazenby on, basically people who live in a, in a pain of their own making. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a, a, a sort of almost vintage one show. Yeah. I mean, not into, because we've said that before, but that's normally when they have, you know, films about pilchards or or Pine yeah. Martins or whatever it might be and you just go yeah okay yeah. vintage classic yes this is what they did but no this was vintage for a different reason because it was all falling apart well it was so one show because I think a, lo- <laughs> a lot of people that you, you kind of sit there really tense thinking oh is this going to go really horribly wrong and nine times out of, out of ten it kind of doesn't like people managed it but with Lazenby it just kept happening yeah. but they had no choice but to go back to him all the time because yeah. they'd have to fill half an hour and yeah. he's the only guest and I bet you if he's ever on again he will not be the only yes. They've learned a lesson no. here. They also got a, another off-the-shelf film away uh, from the Rolodex <laughs> of Power, where clearly they've gone, right, we've got Lazenby. It's Bond. What have we, what have we got? We've got a film about sharks. Jaws was a villain. <laughs> not that Jaws. Bond. Not that Jaws. We'll have to say not that Jaws. Yeah. And so they did. Okay, Jaws now, and uh, we're not talking about Bond's arch enemy here. Oh, no, we are talking about sharks. But then they showed a picture of Richard Keel yeah. Yeah. as Jaws because the producer obviously went, you'll have to show a picture because the audience might not get the Jaws yes. reference. Yeah. And you could sort of just see the production cogs all going behind. It was even more impressive that when said, name one of James Bond's enemies, George Lazenby couldn't remember they showed a picture of <laughs> someone he could have named. Yeah. And right here, right now, we bring part one of this week's The Other One Show show to a shuddering climax. As ever, please share it around, much like the kids do these days with chlamydia and so forth. Except the other one show show is good for you as part of a balanced podcast diet. Rate, review on iTunes, tell people we exist because we don't have any money, let alone budget to advertise it on the side of bus shelters like Gemma Collins does with her bloody podcast. See you tomorrow for part two. Hello, I'm Jack Beaumont. I do Crime Club. In Series 1, I spoke to people like this. Did you not kick a policeman in the head? Yeah, that was... When was that? I was 17. Wait, was I 17 or 19? I think I might have been 19, actually. In Series 2, I talked to people like this. There was a paedophile with one leg. I kicked him clean out his wheelchair. 
about four of us. I mean, we battered him. And this. Cheated on your boyfriend to give him gonorrhea? Do you want to go there? Would you rather not? Yeah, no, no, no. I could talk about it. I have jingles like this. That's Crime Club, where strange people tell stories involving bad behaviour. New episodes out every Monday. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.